0: On the Dock with Pastor Troy here. Conversations to propel your faith out of the shallows and into the deep. That's our credo here at On the Dock. Thanks for joining us today, and we are ready to get you involved. We want you to join us at many of our partners, our platforms are YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Facebook, Roku, Rumble, and SermonNet, and you can join us through our chat partners, social media, Facebook, Twitter, Telegram, and Instagram. We'd love to have you in dialogue with us and find out what's going on and communicate with us, tell us how things are going. When you get to our social platforms, whether it be YouTube or Facebook or whatever, please go there and subscribe, hit subscribe, hit the notification. And it'll let you know when we're putting up casts. we put podcasts up on Tuesdays and Thursdays, hit the notification bell for whatever system you're using. It'll let you know those things and make sure you share it and hit a comment. Let us know what you're liking about it and pass it on to other people. Finally, you can find us and become a partner of on the doc at Patreon, be a Patreon partner at on the dock and be a partner or sponsor with us. You can check that out. And if you don't know how to get to any of this stuff, go to on the There's directions and paths to get to all of our platforms as well as to our Patreon. Patreon site, and you can always email us at info at onthedoc.org. Now we're back in pastor in 2020 and beyond series roundtable discussion part four. I just want to continue that discussion from part three. It was good on spiritual needs and issues of the church post-COVID, and I just kind of synthesized some things. So anytime you guys have something that you haven't been able to finish on, you got something fresh, something that maybe jogs off, this is where we get that in. I, I love your your thing, and you talked about in episode uh, seventeen. Shane, if you go back and listen to that first one, you talked about today. We've got a Goliath in front of us as a church. Uh, you've talked about coming out of COVID. There's a real battle out there for the life of the church, the life of Christianity. We've got to dig in. To, and I think the words you used in the last episode: we have to share the good news, get unapologetic. We have to evangelize people with 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 a personal to a personal relationship with God, and then we got a message. And bigger than that, we got to stand up during our watch. I just hear. We're like shepherds on the watch and and really the wolves come in and just eating the tar out of us right now and we Which are got to be day? shepherds that stand up and fight the bear and the lion in a loving way in a graceful way but we got to not just do that we gotta get back to the great commission we got to start birthing some lambs. You know, get the get get the the shepherd fold safe enough again, where we can actually see people begin to reproduce. So I want to talk about that for just a minute. You mentioned Goliath's in front of us. So if Goliath is going to be in front of us, love the image. When you come, if you ever come to Community Faith Church, don't preach that one either, because that one's going to be done. You know, that's going to be done. I'm stealing that. That's for sure. Goliath in front. You got to make a decision. yes. Uh, <laughs> is, is he going to defeat us or? Is he just too big to miss so we're gonna we're gonna tee off on him. I love that. You got to make that decision. I think the fortitude of a lot of the pastors, we have a lot of pastors that through this were hobbyists. So, so many pastors, when they came into COVID, they got, oh, we're off. And they go, man, we're going to extend a vacation. So, a lot of my colleagues in southern Illinois, we're a little different than these big lead churches all around the country, and you're, you're part of vibrant churches that can't do what they do and pay their mortgages and, and have success unless they work hard. We have a lot of pastors down here that thought, man, the farming season or the vacation season is extended. I'm going to get some bonus days off. They felt like they deserved it. Their hobby pre so to speak, and they took a month off and then it ended up being more than a month and two months mm-hmm. and three months. And when they thought about ordering equipment, they would call me and say, where'd I get camera equipment? And so I laughed at them. We ordered the last stuff a week before we shut down. You're not getting anything. And so basically a lot of churches tried to come back out swinging, but they had no momentum. And I know you know momentum is everything. But when you're fighting a Goliath, you have to make a decision. You know, you, know, you have to come at that thing. Is that thing gonna take you? Or are you gonna take your best shot and just gonna risk everything? So tell me how you handle how you get people fired up, whether they're a Christian that's just out there dealing with the, the world around them, their families and the pastors. How do you take on a Goliath? How do you get that mentality changed from being defeated to seeing yourself as the hand of God? I think it's a discipline. It's a choice. My dad and I
1: eat breakfast together uh, a lot of mornings. It's just part of the discipline of my life. And, and back when restaurants were open, everybody loves to see dad come in, everybody, because he just brings positive energy with him. And it is so winsome and so countercultural to McDonald's that it's unbelievable. He just, he just brings that in. People look forward to seeing him. They, they they radiate off his energy. Wow. They are excited to see him. And I think that's what we've got to bring. You know, people will say to me sometimes, you know, man, you're in a good mood this morning. And I'll tell them, I made my mind up on that before I got out of bed. <laughs> yeah. And part of what we're going to have to do is get a little mentally tougher. And I think right now Christianity, because of the... Ease of being a Christian over the last several decades because we are in some ways a cultural majority. We never paid a price right. for our faith. We're just soft. And I don't think our reality right now, though we feel sorry for ourselves and want to call the WAMBULANCE about eight days a week, I don't think there's anybody in the New Testament feeling sorry no, for us. I don't think all. so at and all. And I think if our idea of being persecuted, somebody chipping at us on Facebook, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. They yeah, had absolutely. real persecution. That's back right, in the Bible. So, so much of this is just an attitude. And one of the things I just tell people all the time, if you want a place to start doing Christian ministry in this world, cowboy up little buckaroo. Absolutely. That's a great place to start.
0: I, I That's been one of the things I've been talking to our pastor's group. I, I talked with the uh, other night at the No Great Love meeting we were talking. Uh, one of my frustrations have been is the churches, the pastors that went hobbyists, they took two, three, four months up. Their churches are about gone. Their people are here. They're kind of like, well, our people are going to your church now. We need to get them back. I'm like, I never told them to stay, never told them to come. They're just not going back. No. They're, 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 you you took extended vacation in the middle of a crisis. And, and they said, well, you know, it was a terrible thing. We had to shut down. I said, you need to understand, I pastor churches in Liberia. The churches I have in Liberia had Ebola. COVID has a, a, a maybe a death rate of 1 or 2%. Now, we, had, we lost a couple people in the church. It's real. I had it. It got me. But by the grace of God, I, I was able to get up and preach and do what I had to do and push through it. But, I mean, there are people in the world when they had Ebola in Liberia, it was 85 to 90% fatal of all ages. It killed the children, it killed adults, it killed everybody. They filled our churches like morgues and hauled people around. The pastors there never quit. The pastors stepped up. They were the leading edge of the effort of, of putting on the PPE in 100 degree weather with no air conditioner to go to and getting out there and fighting it. And I'm telling our pastors, you're running for cover like an air raid. You think a nuke's coming. This is a mild thing. What if? Ebola had a hit here, and 85 percent of your congregations wiped up. How would you answer the bell? And I think that's why you see a lot of people moving around because I think they're with an eyeball, almost like Spock. You know how Spock would raise that eye. They kind of look at their church and go, "What if this was really bad?" I mean, the church didn't answer the bell. I talk about coming out and answering the bell. Will my pastor, will, will will he be a shepherd that stands and guards the flock, or will he be a hireling that runs for cover? And I think we really revealed a lot of that in this, and I'm really hoping pastors will work on fortitude. I think that's very important uh, so much, and that you talk about a lot of this in your stuff with me, That that... It, 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 hard work you, to the value of hard work, the sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. I think those things are key. Tell me how that helps you hold in the game, even when you're facing a Goliath. Tell me how hard work and sensitivity of the Spirit can hold the line even in the face of a, something greater than COVID. Because I think if you read our own book, Revelation, we are promised a lot worse than what we've seen. And if the church can't handle this little field test, what is it going to do with that two-minute drill?
1: One of the questions we had to, all had to ask ourselves during COVID is who's running the church. So a lot of churches shut down because the governor or the government told them to shut down. Right. I just was real clear with our church. I'm not waiting for the governor to tell me if I can have church. And I'm not waiting for him to tell me that I can, once again, have church. Right. I'm gonna to listen to the Holy Spirit in all this, and I'm gonna take my chances. And at the end of the day, there are no guarantees. Mm-mm. You just hear God, you take your chances. There are casualties in spiritual war. Absolutely. And we have gotten to a point, we want a no-casualty war. Can't get You're it. not going to fight Goliath and have a no-casualty war. And so for part of me, it's, it's who is calling the shots. And if I really am afraid to lead, then I'm always going to look for someone else to call the shots yeah. because I'll always have someone else to blame my lack of effectiveness. That's on. so good. Pastors all get into ministry because they want to feed sheep, but you got to understand: if you don't have the guts to
0: shoot wolves, yeah. before long you will have no
1: sheep no, left right.
0: to feed. Absolutely. They'll pick them up. You know, I, I, grew up in, I grew up in Memphis area, and down in Memphis, we had wrestling. Wrestling is Saturday morning wrestling. Jerry the King Lawler, I grew up with wrestling. Just great stuff, man. We loved wrestling. At wrestling, they would always have, in the old days, they would have these loser-leave-town matches where they would fight, and the loser had to leave the Memphis metro area <laughs> like for that. and be banned for eternity. Yes. you you'd never seen two wrestlers wrestle on TV on Saturday morning or in the Mid-South Coliseum like you've ever seen them until, one was a loser leave town match. I just have to tell you that right now, with COVID, and now as we move into this kind of subsected subculture time of the church. We are honestly in a loser leave town match almost right now and we are really struggling as the church because so many of our pastors don't even answer the bell. They're on vacation, they're their hobby pastoring and we really are in that loser leaf town. So if we don't make some moves here, we're going to have a troubled time reestablishing the culture of Jesus Christ and we're going to we may face that day sooner than later when the rocks crowd because there's nobody left to praise him. But I thank God I do see some meaningful ministry pouring forth in this time. So I want to ask you this. You said that people that get you here can't get you to the next level. You said that in episode 18. And what does that mean? As you go to this next phase, post-COVID to the future here, uh, does that mean that we're going to have to evaluate who's in the right seats using uh, from, from that, that, that that book? Who did that book? Jim Collins. Jim Collins. Get the right people in the right seat. Are you, is there going to be new evaluation of that, re-looking at that? Well, there has to be. Because one thing we know, is there's no reasonable
1: expectation to think more money is going to be coming into churches as baby boomers die. Everybody says charitable giving is going down. Churches are getting hit worse than other charitable enterprises. So we're going to have less finances. So what we're all going to have to do is look into our budgets and ask ourselves tough questions. And one of the questions is if if X is your live attendance before COVID, it is entirely possible that you are now running 0.75X and you may never run X again. When you factor in the online presence, you may be at, at two times X. Right. But the reality is things have changed, and you need a different staff to, to manage handle that. X on-site than you need to and handle .75X. And so right now my guess is that for many churches, our staffing model is going to change. And I tell our uh, children's workers, I, I tell a lot of the people in our church, if I was you, I would learn some high-tech
0: stuff. I would I'd learn how to
1: work a camera. I would learn how to uh, social edit media video. I would learn how to get on social media. Mm-hmm. I think there's time to develop multiple skill sets. But are we going to have to evaluate things? Absolutely. And it's yeah. a little like, you know, when I was growing up, there were printers. There were printers around. They typeset, set mm-hmm. print and they they pressed things. <laughs> and then there there aren't any of those left no. anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I think... Some areas of church life are simply not going to recover in the way that they were. Churches are going to have to staff differently. And churches are going to have to ask themselves, what is the best way to use the resources we have to actually be effective in our
0: mission? And it's going to cause realignment. What's amazing here is when we made the Community 2.0 switch starting in January, we went away, we envisioned the show, and I've got a team around this with uh, Donna Kuduski. Donna's our executive producer. She's on the part of the first series. Uh, she'll be in here at the, at the table quite a bit, but she's the one talking to people on the online community here with On The Doc. She's my executive assistant. She's kind of been the person that's kind of been, kind of worked on projects and stuff for me. When I when we went away, the first thing I did, I said, when we make this change, everything you did, you don't do anymore. Now we're going to, fo- you're going to be our presence out there in the virtual community. Yeah, so she's been totally retasked. She, she's self-learned. She got on hero post trained herself. She's learned how to use Canva pro. You know, she is now the point person here for launching. When we're doing Sunday morning worship, ten thirty, she runs our spiritual online greeter. She's the one leading people to Christ online or training other people to lead Christ online. She has become my ambassador, not so much on the real field. She's now my va- ambassador for the church on the virtual field. And she has tooled herself in such a way that's going to really give us a fighting chance at that. So you're going to see lots of, retooling, replacing uh, different people. Lucas has a whole new cadre of people that run a whole booth that nobody ever sees. I, I There's several people I thought quit church here, but they're now in the control booth, and I never even see them. They're the ones who make things happen. And I somebody said, I asked, who's the father of the most kids? And somebody said, well, Rick's got the most kids, five. I said, well, I haven't seen Rick at church in months. They said, he's in the video booth switching you. Oh! <laughs> yeah.
2: He wins!
0: Yeah. You know? So there's going to be all new roles, all new plays, all new ways to be the church. Let me ask you, Shane. You said people are viewing theology through a political lens, and so we're becoming more and more segregated. Um, I think that's a really concern that I have. Uh, we're very segregated. I, I'm not sure how to get us out of that, other than stand our ground and give a clear message of who we are, and invite people to the solid rock. The flood is coming. There's going to be challenges, and I think if we can offer safe harbor and a place, the reason on the dock has the lighthouse and the harbor. I think people are looking for a place to invite their friends where they can get the truth, the message, they can grow in it, and we can get them back out there. And if things get a little rough, they know they can come here into a safe place. That's kind of what we're trying to establish. At the same time, the church could be one of the most dangerous places to be in the future coming up. But I also believe we have a God that's able to handle that, for the Goliaths are but grasshoppers in his eyes. So we've got to give people tools, equipment, safety. At the same time, we've got a real battle to fight. So tell me, how how do we do this? How do we deal with this political lens that's all over the church, segregating us at the same time, uh, hold the ground and rebuild unity? Well,
1: it's a reasonably new phenomenon. Yeah to think I couldn't possibly sit under the leadership of a pastor that I suspect votes differently than yeah. I do. Right. That's, that's a new thing. It, it just is. And as a result, the churches, many churches that I thought were making really good ground in, in being more heterogeneous, more multiracial, uh, all of those kind of things in the last 10 years... I think a lot of that ground has been lost. It's gone. gone. Yeah, I I just think it's very difficult these days, and I think social media exacerbates that, Mm -hmm. particularly people with strong, strong opinions. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, I can't possibly go to church with that person because of what they have posted on social media. So for me, the challenge of being an authentic faith community is really daunting right now. And I think it's harder coming out of COVID because even COVID had its own political dynamics. When we first opened our church up in July, the the big question is, are you going to require mass? And you know what? I told people we would have fistfights in the entryway if we required mass because people were radiating at such high frequencies. Well, you know what? The people, how you feel strongly about masks one way or the other probably indicates where you sit on a myriad uh, of a other political of right. positions. And if you think pe- everybody needs to wear a mask, and no exceptions, and then if you think no one needs to wear a mask, you are going to be in conflict. So at some point, churches are going to have to really, really intentionally say to our people, cut it out. Don't bring your politics into church. And we need to focus on Jesus. And rather than letting our politics inform our theology, we've got to really encourage people to allow their theology to inform their politics.
0: That's really well said. Really well said. You you made a statement uh, online. I, I picked this up online. I believe it is possible to stand for biblical truth in a spirit of Christ-like love, I mean, we're in a challenging moment. We are we are in a time of the Nebuchadnezzar, so to speak, and and the society is given to that. And to be a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to be a Daniel. I, Tell me, where does the fortitude come? Where does the trust come to be able to stand against such a tidal wave? I know. I think you. I don't know if you still have this in your office. Do you have the picture still in your office of the lighthouse with the wave coming I don't. on. It? Oh, I love that picture. You have, to, you have to dig it out and send it to me because I love lighthouses. But that I would put it in the studio here. You had a picture of a, of a lighthouse with a wave coming yeah. out and a man standing behind the wash on the backside. Don't you feel a bit like today? The world's a wave right now coming at us. We're that guy behind the lighthouse of Christ. And will we stand or will we not stand? How do we do it? Well, if you use the metaphor of that picture,
1: the guy was standing on a rock. I love that. He was standing on a rock. And the rock not only gave him firm footing, but he was standing behind the rock in such a way as it protected him from the waves that would have just washed him into the ocean. And so for me... Standing for biblical truth, we have to do that out of the motivation of love. Absolutely. And I think it's hard sometimes when you feel you're always on the defensive. A lot of Christians tell me we feel that we're being attacked. I, 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 I don't argue that. I think a lot of traditional Orthodox Christianity is straight up under attack. Yeah. But we cannot act as people under attack we cannot be radiating with a high frequency we can't return evil for evil what we have to do is realize we're doing this out of love we're standing where we do because of love we honestly believe that this would be a better culture and and people would be happier and and more functional and better suited for finding purpose and peace and power and passion in their lives if they lived by the clear and consistent teachings of the bible and even as we do that, Choi, we have to realize something. Biblical teaching was always for God's people, not the culture as a whole. That's great. Told. That's, That's good. great. The Ten Commandments, the point of the Ten Commandments is this is how God's people are different than the Canaanites. Yeah. Well, This is what we do differently than them. They do that, we do this. We do this, they do that. It's how we're different. Paul's teaching on ethics and human sexuality were for the church, not for the Roman Empire. Paul never expected Nero to act like a Christian, but he did expect Christians not to act like Nero. And what we have to do is understand that biblical teaching is for the church. Mm -hmm. We are inviting people in to a subculture, a counter culture, and we're saying, take a look around you. If you buy society's prescription for happiness, You take a look at where that's going to get you.
2: Nobody's happy. We are
1: offering something so much our
0: society is on antidepressants and meds That's and suicide right. rates up it's just it's just incredible how miserable people are separated from the unity that comes in Christ. And, and and they have bought it hook, line, and sinker, but at some point in time it's you know I almost feel like you know for years Fred's here and Fred's the, the president founder of No Greater Love Ministries and, and we, I cut my teeth, Shane took me down and we'd go down to Mardi Gras and we would witness to the worst of the worst down there. And then on 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 Fat Tuesday we'd march through the crowd having told them all the gospel and everything and say, hey, we're coming through one last time quietly saying, hey, here's your chance. And you could hear people cry out to you in those days. And you almost get the impression today that you could almost march anywhere in America and it's almost Fat Tuesday everywhere we go He's right exactly now. Right. TV shows on on just 7 o'clock on any channels, Fat Tuesday. Nickelodeon is Fat Tuesday right now. It's all there and it makes me wonder, Fred. I mean, I don't know how much worse we can get. I see worse in Thailand. It, it's interesting if, you know, if New Orleans is back to normal next year and we have the teams down there back able to do the march with the real crowd I I just wonder what a group of evangelicals sharing the love of Christ as they march down through a Mardi Gras next year what will they receive on behalf of the people compared to what we saw Shane you know five years ten years ago it could be revelational and it could be harsh. I remember the year we took Teen Challenge and they just they, they brought the lights down in the community because there was darkness there at such a great level where we were that day. And we put the cross up and I could see light come down. It was just incredible. We had marched down through the quarter and the, the the groups that there when we got to the part of the quarter where it's predominantly homosexual, gay into the quarter, and, and they, they just stopped the march. And probably the worst thing they did was stop the march. The best thing they could have done is let the march get through because honestly we were two blocks from the bus. We all were hungry, ready to go home. <laughs> and so we, we would have been out of there. We'd have been out of there here they could have gone back, and, and they put big, you know, you know, gay straight whatever. They got big guys. They had some big guys. They stepped out in front of our cross, and nobody in our cross ever runs anybody over. No. So they stopped the cross. This was years ago. We, years ago, we were staying at that other place that year. I remember not not where we normally stayed, the gideon's that year. And 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 they stopped the cross. We had the Teen Challenge Choir with us that year. They were traveling. They stopped the cross, and our leaders that were up front just said, "Okay, fine, we'll set up church here. Push the cross up the Christ." The cross of Christ was right there at St. Peter, at St. Anne. It was just beautiful. And what's so funny is it was like, man, this is hostile environment here. I remember that. Every kind of reprobate was walking past you dressed in leather and covered up and people on leashes. It looks about like normal today. But when we put the the cross up, Team Challenge Choir came up around that cross. And they put their hands on it, and they began to sing on Christ the Solid Rock I Stand. Wow, it was great. I got their album that year. That album, I, Shane, I was, at that time, it was so early in the days, that's when I was doing my preaching test. I was doing my preaching test for my local pastor's license. That's how long ago it was. And I remember I used their album to get through my preaching test at local pastor school, because it, it encouraged I went in, You, We had to preach to a bunch of Methodist professors that don't care about anything. I, I listened to that on my headphones, and I went in and preached like I'd been in the choir, and I went at it. I even had some of them in the tears. But they came up and they sang on Christ the Solid Rock I Stand. And I'm going to tell you what happened there. and I I was there. I saw a lightning bolt hit the cross. It hit the ground. It just lit the place. It was like a flash of light hit. And I looked around and everybody was on their knees. Every knee bowed. Gay, straight, Christian, non-Christian. People were crying and in tears. And those guys just pressed in. Those guys were drug addicts and testimony. You could just see them pouring their heart. And people saw their hearts and heard them sing. And I saw Christ Lifted up, and I saw for a moment there all men and women, no matter who they were, looking to the cross. I saw something happen there, and I, I know that was a moment, a special moment, and it was a great moment of ministry. And we moved on, and I saw it, I felt it like a bomb hit. And you know, I, we're at the point now where we're going to need a moment like that again in the society where somebody makes a stand, lifts up the cross, the, the cross of Christ, and we see God do God's stuff.
1: Well, Troy, you think about the, uh, the story of the demoniac in the graveyards in the garrisons. The guy's name was Legion. I love that. He didn't just have two or three demons. He had 6,000. Uh, this is a guy that at some point something gets in. Oh, man. At some point the dude only had one demon. Mm-hmm. And you stay open and things get more and more demonic. When I look at our culture today, uh, things just get progressively worse Mm -hmm. just watching as you said mainstream television things just get progressively worse and then you think about the nature of sin sin will always beg to be tolerated Mm -hmm. ask to be accepted and then demand to be celebrated so we have a culture right now that is in the full on celebration of sin so mardi gras Bourbon Street, Duval Street, those are happening in every city That's and right. far too many small towns in America. The question is, sin is prevalent. I would argue that that is an incredible evangelistic opportunity.
0: I'll tell you what, I, I'm, I, I'm going to bring somebody on the platform here. Beth, can you come around and get the other seat for a second? I need you for a minute. Beth's going to come on the set and get her on the microphone. I, I think you're so on. And I'll tell you, my wife has, she has been putting out a mantra for a while. She's been putting out a mantra about a solution for this, and, and sin is right. It's rampant. It's crazy, and and she's been speaking a word for a couple weeks now that's really helped me understand, and it's my hope. It's where I want to be ready to insert ourselves. I want to have our team ready, and, and Beth has just been doing, I mean, she's been sharing this. I, I think it's relevant. I want her to say it because I don't want to take credit for it. I was going to quote her, and I thought, nah, she can get over here. You've been talking about how sin is getting worse and worse and worse, and the one thing you said that you have noticed that sin always does what?
2: It always oversteps. That's right. Go a little farther. <laughs> what? I mean, go. I little. don't know what else to say. Well, I mean, it, it just—it's never satisfied. Mm-mm.
0: Yeah. And then eventually, it overplays its hand.
2: Right, and it, that's what Shane's said a couple times today, too. That's it, it, it. Does it? And it I think we're—I think
0: we could be there. The question is, are we going to recognize that Goliath is standing out there calling us? Is it going to overstep its hand and it's going to call on the mighty power of the church of Jesus Christ? I come, not against you with flesh and blood, but I come against you with the power, the power of God. Are we going to stand up at some point in time and say, you've overcalled your hand? You know, my father owns a cattle in a thousand hills. My father, my father is the lighthouse that can stand the storm. Are we going to test that? Are we going to call the devil out and say, you've overplayed your hand here? This is the church of the living God.
2: I think we are starting to see that, especially in uh, at the school board meetings and a lot of the public school systems. Parents are starting to stand up and say, Okay.
0: The challenge is gonna be though, do we get, can we do it with the spirit of love? All right. Can we do it graceful? Right. And and can we do it in a way and we are gonna to have to stand up at some point in time. And I think I think right now the devil is overplaying the devil's hand. And, and the church is on the ropes of that. There's a little bit of a oh, rope. I think so. Yeah, I do too. But I I don't really want to say that we're rope-a-doping. I wish there was a better strategy that. We're going to come out and beat him. But I think the power of God is going to fall on people that are faithful and available and teachable, and we're going to see a day. It's almost like the time of the judges. We're going to begin to see. I think people that will stand up. I think God's going to be called people that are listening to this. He's going to be calling people to make stands and make decisions to push in and press in. And, and we're going to see a rally. I, I got to believe God for that because First Peter three fifteen says, "Be prepared to give an answer." I'm not going to stop giving that answer. You're not going to stop giving that answer. There's others out there, and now we need to believe that that will be transplanted into people's hearts. You know, with the school system, and then if they're, now they're saying you need to teach the children when they're in elementary school. Mm-hmm. But now we have an opportunity saying, we don't have to go to that public school. Yeah. Right. We can. exactly, And so yeah. that is something that God has given
2: us right. to work within the schools that we haven't seen in other areas. In right. all
0: this disease, parents have come alive about what their kids yes. have been learning. They've also revealed their hand. They've seen that. And now parents, we have nobody basically left in this church that will be in public schools as of next year. Wow. Well, and Ever? I
2: have to say, I, I we were shocked about some of the things that we found out were being taught in the universities also i mean mm-hmm. we knew it was there but we didn't know how systematically they were teaching our children things that we don't believe yeah. you know and in really trying to completely change their mindset on our country on our faith on on everything foundational that that we hold the world yeah, yeah. We're,
0: Shane, if you identify what we're doing as a watch, I mean, you, you're serving right now as the pastor of Christ Church. Uh, you served there for 24 years. You're still on watch. Nobody's relieved you of watch command. Um, I'm the pastor of Community Faith Church, still on watch. What, what do you see? Uh, this is my last really big question. What is ahead for you in Christ Church? What's your watch look like coming ahead? What do you, what, what do you got planned? Well, the
1: first thing I think that churches are going to have to do right now is to understand things have changed. Mm-hmm. Things have changed. What we're seeing... I think Beth, I really concur with your thoughts. What we're seeing, I think, is the fruit that has finally manifest That's itself good. from several generations yes. of systematic intentionality. Yeah. Troy, kind of take uh, you and I both went to a fairly uh, liberal seminary. Yes. Kind of, kind of look back at this. You know, a seminary students begin to change during Vietnam, right? Because now all of a sudden, if you enrolled in a seminary, you didn't have to fight. So a lot of protesters Mm -hmm. simply enrolled in seminary, enrolled in school, but certainly enrolled in seminary. And now activists became seminary students as well as people who felt called by God. So now there's two very different kind of students. When they got out of seminary, the old-style ones that were just called by God went out and got a church. Right. The activists, no church is going to put Mm-mm. up with that, no, so right. they got their Ph.D. Right. So then they get jobs at seminaries, and before long, seminaries I have tenured professors who don't necessarily believe in God. Mm-hmm. They're right. just activists. Well, you roll about three generations of pastors through those seminaries. One day you wake up and the whole world's changed, but right. it didn't change overnight. No, it
2: didn't. No, no. It's we, been going on a long we, they've time. They've been telling us. I mean, like, I can remember when we were, you know, younger and first married, Marlon Maddox was on the radio, on Christian radio, and, and talking about all that, you know. And, I mean, there were lots of people out there telling us what was going on. Francis Shaver saw it coming. Yeah. Yes, he oh, did. Yeah. Yes, yeah, he did. Right.
0: Absolutely. You know, I think one of the things that we have, you know, when I was in seminary right behind you at Emory, we had all the people camping out, protesting this and everything. Yeah. When when the Methodist Church refused to ordain homosexuals in, it was 1988. So I came in 89 right behind you. I remember that when they put that down and they didn't do that, the UCC Church was there the next day signing up, many of them, to become a part of their church because they were done. True. Yes. You know, they were done. But mm-hmm. I guess not enough left but because it continued to take the church down. But they ended up staying and teaching, like you said, in two or three generations. But largely what you had were the people that went to Vietnam, served their people, uh, came back and became pastors, and they served faithfully. And many of them are starting to retire now. But you have this three seasons of propagated uh, people that were kind of, like you said, activists, but I also call them draft dodgers. They well, of didn't they really were. want to go fight. They right. weren't really called into ministry and so they kind of took a route out that's kind of activist but if you think about it behind it it's almost like Puff the magic dragon. There's there, there's there's an argument there, but there's no substance or core to who they are and called in Christ. And I just don't believe if the Church of Jesus Christ would stand up in a grace filled, loving way. I, I, I like what you said so much in the in the the previous episode when you were talking about um love, you know love love God, love people, <laughs> I love it. Stay in love with God, love people, and don't do dumb crap. If we could just stay in love with God, love the people, even if we have to preach a gospel that's difficult. And not do dumb stuff. Just have the grace of God with us. I think if we'd stand up, these people don't have a stomach to fight, or they would have fought back then. I think if we would stand up, Goliath would realize it's not fighting against flesh and blood. It's fighting against the power of God. We're going to have to stand up, and we're going to stand up in a way that's not hate-filled and killing and, and, and murder But we're going to have to stand up knowing the power of God can bring everybody to their knees. So there's going to be a time.
2: That's also... Something they've been teaching is that there is nothing worth fighting for.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. You know, like,
2: don't fight. You don't need to fight for anything. There's nothing worth that.
0: Well, this is going to be the challenge as we wrap up here. We're going to have to, I mean, I know we're, we're now kind of the pajama church in some ways too. I know I'm fighting that too, but there will be a time when we're going to, you know, whether we're a virtual church, live church, some hyper church, and I agree with all, I think that was wonderful what you said about in the previous one about how the church has kind of changed. There's going to be a time when we're going to have to put the pajamas away and, and, and get out of the pews, get out and evangelize, do the Great Commission. But there's going to be a time when we just have to be like Joshua and just say, ask for me at my house. We're going to serve the Lord. And I think the Lord's going to rally. I, I believe that. I want to hold that. I do not have a defeated spirit. I think to live in such a time like this is amazing. I think we'll see the gospel go to places in Thailand that it's never, ever been. And the fact is, I think we're going to get a chance to put the gospel here in places it's never, ever been. We have a huge generation here that's grown up and almost void of the gospel. And so I used to have to go overseas to find that. But the one thing I've discovered in this last year is that On the docks going to get a chance to put the gospel out in the United States, and we may be the new frontier to do evangelistic work again. That's going to be amazing to see. We just got to repurpose our mind, repurpose our churches, get back to doing the basic back stuff. To the
1: well, throwing back to your question about being on watch, we have to realize the world's changed. And then we're going to have to regroup.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: We need to regroup. We need to reformulate mm-hmm. our message. We need to dig deep into our theology. I think a lot of conservative churches just assumed our people were on board with us while they're being systematically brainwashed Brainwashed by a larger culture. Absolutely. And they don't really know why we believed what Mm -hmm. we believe. And so they buy a narrative that uh, is is secular at best and demonic at worst. So I think we got to regroup. And then I think we've got to go out apologetically in the power of the Holy Spirit. If we wanna, if we wanna get in some kind of big fist fight out there, we're gonna lose that. We're in a minority. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, right. Absolutely. We have to understand, we need to recover the disciplines of prayer. Yes. We need to tap back in to the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Yes. We need to operate by spiritual gifts. And I'm not talking about being a flame and charismatic, you gotta right. scrape off the wall. I'm talking about being an effective Christian, Christian. in spiritual warfare yes yeah. and that's where i think pastors are going to have to lead. don't to you
0: think the book of acts equips us for this it, it's christians living in a roman empire in a different time and yet they still saw it take off and eventually even the emperor of rome was converted and it changed everything we can do that if we trust the power of god and the plan of god the entire new testament is
1: the account of an out but never that's outgunned right. christian movement I believe yes. always in a minority Always a subculture, always with the larger culture, actively persecuting it. And that that is an incredible message to us. The only thing the New Testament can't relate to is what we've lived the past five decades as Christian people where it's all been really easy. Yeah, we just kind of lulled
0: to sleep and then then we wake up and go, what happened? What happened? But I I, I have to tell you, I I don't want to say this in in a bragging way or anything. I'm kind of excited about the waters ahead. My 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 apostle side that likes to go plant new things almost says this could be a lawn try to. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yes, this do. could be Thailand. Hey, we just got to figure out how to take this thing on and by the grace of God and the power of God, we got to engage the power of the church against us and make a stand.
2: Yeah, you're yep. the one that was envious of the people in the Left Behind
0: books. Yeah, we, we read the <laughs> Left Behind, the Jenkins books. You, Jenkins, We talked about him in one of the episodes. Uh, matter of fact, uh, part, part of Fred's life in one of the Jenkins books written about that. Was it Three Behind the Iron Curtain? and it was Just an incredible story, but Jenkins wrote all the Left Behind books. and When I read this, I was told Beth I was always mad about it. I want to stay around for some of action. I want, be to, in
2: the I want to be force. in the tribulation
0: force. It sounds kind of active for me, you know that. So, yeah. so, hey guys, I want to thank you. You you guys have been wonderful. Fred, thank you for being my, my co-host. I didn't bring Beth in to step on you, but I thought she has a real word there. Oh, sure. I oh, I, I, I just think that's a real word that, you know, we need to understand that the devil's overplaying his hand, but I think what we need to do is we as pastors and leaders and spiritual leaders in the community, we are going to have to stand up and trust the hand of God to lead us right now. And and like David took that sling and he just said, you know these rocks may be rocks but the hand of god's got me and so we're going to play the hand that we've got and we're going to do that with conviction i love what you're sharing saying that we need to share the good news get unapologetic get evangelism into people at a personal level and then we need to have a good clear message and then on our watch we need to make sure, let's clear the field of the wolves and let's create a place again where the flock can begin to flourish and become attractive. And I I will find this, it'll change. I was in Israel, I'm going to close with this. I was in Israel a few years ago and we were doing one of our trips and we were in one of the villages where they were doing the mosaics. They do the mosaics in that village. And in that village, when I was there, I've heard these stories, I saw it. I I didn't want to go into the place before. I've been in the place several times. I, I just, enough of that. And I've got those. So I sat outside, there were about three different shepherd groups out there of shepherd guys just all sitting around and there were shepherd guys just right there the sheep were all down right there in the valley and you know we're talking to him about it and he said well we we hope we were spending a lot of money that was his uncle or somebody in there you know how they do it and and i heard one of the guys well i gotta go and he whistled and he walked off and out of the sheep there were three different shepherd sheep amongst the flock and the guy whistled and started walking and his sheep came out and began to follow him and i asked the dude i said dude that's incredible they do know his voice Mm. he said yesterday they said he's He told me he's a good shepherd. He takes care of his sheep. I said, do do, do any of the other sheep ever go home with him? He said, oh, no, we're good shepherds too. (laughs) I said, what do you mean by that? He says, well, if the sheep's scraggly, it's not being cared for and not all that. He said, you know, those sheep down there, they talk. (laughs) <laughs> they talk, they look at each other, they see who's getting like fed, that. who's getting challenged in that. Mm-hmm. And he said, if they're not getting tended to, the salve's mm-hmm. not being put on the wounds, they're not being watched over. Yeah. Every now and then, if you got a bad shepherd, good <laughs> sheep will go with that, get away from that bad shepherd. They'll go home. You'll find out whose sheep are these? Eh, then, you know, they all start talking. They said, he must be a bad shepherd Oh, because a good that. shepherd will take care of his sheep mm-hmm. and the sheep know their shepherd. And I think that's a true thing. I think we need good pastors. I think the COVID has helped maybe define some of those strengthen some of those. And we're going to really pray here that God would do a movement among our good shepherds and our good leaders, and we'll see a revival in a stand. So I, I think we just, I just want to close and pray on this father in the name of Jesus. We just thank you for this. Thank you for Shane and Fred and Beth stepping in here. And, and just thank you for what we've been talking about. And father, we pray for revival. We pray for revival amongst pastors and leaders and churches. Father, we pray for just a revelation, Lord, a freshness of your spirit to blow on us. And so that we can get back to the good news as Shane shared, get back to it being unapologetically unashamed to you. Father, help us to get back to the task of that great commission you called us to, Father. Help us to do it with just a loving heart. Help us to do it where we love people and help us not to do all the dumb stuff uh, that Shane talks about. I appreciate that, Lord. We need to get about evangelism and messaging your word and get back to it, Lord. Help us to stand up. Help us as under shepherds and pastors to be good shepherds of your kingdom. And Father, may the sheep Lord, know your voice and know the voice of your shepherds. Yes. And, Father, may the hirelings be separated out, Lord, and may we see a health and revival of the church, whether it's your Community, Christ Church, or all of our friend churches in the region, Lord. We pray for revival and strength. We know the pastors are tired from COVID. We pray for restoration. Mm-hmm. We pray for healing, Lord, and we pray for the resources. But, Father, mostly we pray for renewal of your spirit yes. upon our church and this region for Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, so much for what you're doing, Father, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Shane, thank you. Uh, Fred, thank you. Beth, thanks for stepping up on the set. First thing, I want to just say this. If you've enjoyed some of Shane's stuff, go check out his blog at rememberbooks.wordpress.com. You can go to that site. He's got links to your sermons are there, Shane. You can go watch all your Christchurch stuff. That's cool. Uh, your book is there as well. Uh, Love God, Love People, and Don't Do Dumb Crap. You've got two other books. You've got your dad's book that you put out, um, and, and there's another book you did. What was the book you did before that?
1: Exactly as I Remember
0: It. Exactly as you remember it. You squat down with the baseball cap. I like that. I remember. like it. Yeah. So check those out. See if you can find those out there. We sure appreciate that. You can go out and uh, and find those and you're going to be a lot richer when you learn how to love God, love people, and don't do dumb stuff. We sure need you helping us do the right kind of things out there at On the Dock. We hope you've enjoyed this. We want you to keep finding us at onthedock.org. You can email us for questions like where to find his book or how to find his blog site. We'll be glad to email you that. If you can't find it in our chat rooms, go to info at Oh, on the doc.org, email us, and we'll give you that information if you've got any other questions. And as always, you can find us on YouTube. You can find our archive. Go back and find these other series in this series that we've done. And uh, we'd love for you to do that. Find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Facebook, Roku, Rumble, and SermonNet. And reach out to us on social media at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Telegram. We'd love to have you. And please smash the subscribe button. Like, hit notifications, comments, and all those things to make us more popular. We want to get the word out out there. And if you'd like to, go find us on our Patreon site. Go to my Patreon and download the app. Or you can go to onthedock.org and find our Patreon link and become an On The Doc partner. You can kind of be a sponsor to this. We're setting that up and you can get involved with that and be a sponsor or even a partner. Or we can even drink your coffee on here if you talk to us. We'll tell you how to do that. And finally, last but not least, go to church go to church someplace. But if you're in the Southern Illinois region, you don't have a church home, 10 a.m. Sunday mornings, Community Faith Church would love to have you. Come and find us. If you're shut in traveling, homesick way, or you want to wear your pajamas, you can watch us at coftv.com. And we're available at 10 a.m. on Sundays, 6.30 on Wednesdays. And you can watch us through our virtual campus at coftv.com through YouTube or Facebook. Just find Community Faith Church on those channels. And one last time, with Shane still in the studio, we'll tell you to go also to Christ Church if you're in the Fairview Heights region. Check that out. They have four campuses, one big, wonderful church, Collinsville, Maryville campus, Scott campus, Millstock campus. Just go to mychurch.com. Check that out. Shane, thank you very much for being in the studio today. Fred, thank you very much. And Beth and Lucas, thank you for your hard work today. That's right. We're looking forward to the next broadcast. Very soon, join us and watch us on, on the dot with that's